we can get a really vocal inner critic all the time, but particularly when we're in new situations. And so returning to work prompted my inner critic to get vocal, but actually just parenting, like suddenly doing something I didn't know how to do. There was no handbook and I didn't feel like I was a natural at really got imposter feelings going and my inner critic being very vocal. So I used a technique that I and many other coaches teach their clients around personalizing your inner critic so that you can recognize when it comes up and say, thanks for the input, but I've got this. Feeling shaky after maternity or another long leave from work? Comeback Coach is the Wobbly Bottom podcast about kick-ass comebacks with coaching psychologist Jessica Chivers. She's exactly what you need when you're riding the return to work roller coaster. In this comeback episode, we hear about the wobbly moments and successes of someone who's made a comeback. Jessica also hosts longer coach episodes where we eavesdrop on a one-time coaching conversation. Hello, Bright Mind. My guest today is Carla Miller, who is on a mission to empower women in their careers and support organisations to develop and retain their female talent. Carla is just about to relocate from Hertfordshire to Cumbria, where she intends to climb a lot of fells with her four-year-old boy, Charlie. Before becoming a coach, Carla was a fundraising director who led teams raising £20 million for good causes, as well as being a CEO of a small charity and MD of a recruitment consultancy. Carla's podcast, Influence and Impact for Female Leaders, sits in the top 20 management podcasts in the UK Apple Charts most weeks, and her book, Closing the Influence Gap, a practical guide for women leaders who want to be heard, will be published on the 20th of September and is available now for pre-order. Hundreds of women from the corporate world, public sector and charity sector have gone through her signature influence and impact programme. She really knows her stuff. Now, Carla is going to be my guest at our November Comeback Conversation event, where we'll be tackling your challenges and answering your questions about how to increase your influence and impact at work. The date for that is Tuesday, the 15th of November at 12 noon. And there's a link in the show notes for free tickets. A woman who's definitely had impact and knows how to be heard is Catherine Raiden, the founder of Raiden Solicitors and sponsor of this podcast. Raiden's is an award-winning Times Top 200 family law firm with offices in Beaconsfield, Berkhamsted, Bishop Stortford, Hampstead, Harpenden, and Loughton and St Albans. Thank you very much to the team at Raiden's for your sponsorship. Now just before we go and meet Carla, a request. If you think the return to work experience could be improved where you work, please message me jc at talentkeepers.co.uk. You can also direct your HR team to comebackcommunity.co.uk where you'll find a couple of short films at the top of the homepage about why we've developed the Comeback Community Employee Experience and what it is. Okay, let's go and hear from Carla. Carla Miller, it is so nice to be here with you and I want to dive straight in. First question. Now you made a conscious choice to be a solo parent. And I'm wondering how and what you were thinking about your career when you made that decision. Well, I think I thought about it for a long time, but I wanted to be sure that my career was in a position where I could effectively support myself, given I might not be able to work such long hours, and obviously have to pay for childcare. So first of all, 
I wanted to make sure my career was at a point where I knew I was going to be able to earn enough money. Didn't know quite how expensive children were <laughs> at that point, but now I know. I also realized that my career was going to have to change quite significantly. So I already worked for myself, but despite the fact I've been coaching for almost a decade by then, I used to combine that with interim roles, so senior leadership roles part-time. And I realized when I had a child, I needed to move out of London because I could no longer afford to live in London and I needed my family support network. And the interim roles were just not going to work anymore. So I basically had to redesign my working life as well as the rest of my life to make it more practical, basically. So I had to let go of some things and evolve career-wise as a result. Mm. And talking about moving out of London, you're moving again. I'm honoured that we're recording this on a day before you pack up and move halfway up the country. So thank you. You're excited about what's coming next. I am super excited. I literally have only just got my head around not being a Londoner anymore. And now I'm relocating from Hertfordshire, so just down the road from you, all the way to Cumbria. But looking forward to a fresh start. I think with COVID, I've just spent too many hours staring at the same walls and I've got cabin fever oh god what a gorgeous part of the country you're moving to I feel a little bit envious you're going to have that fantastic dramatic scenery and I'm guessing that you must be into hill walking surely if you're going up there I am. Unfortunately, I completely ruptured my ACL two weeks ago. So there's no fell walking going on for the next three months or so. But yes, you can see the Pennines from my bedroom window. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Oh, exciting times. Hey, listen, I want to tap into some of the challenges that you faced returning to work as a solo parent, because I know that some of the followers of the podcast are solo parents. And so this episode really is for them. So what did you face and how did you overcome them? I think in some ways they're very similar to the challenges that any parent faces. My biggest fear was always having a childcare crisis when I had a work commitment on. And so I always made sure that I had a backup for that. For me, the backup was my parents. And that was working really well until COVID came along. And then the last thing I wanted to do was put a potentially covid child in the care of my 70 plus year old parents. We were really lucky. The first lockdown, I moved in with them just before it hit. And so I didn't break any rules. And then the second lockdown, we were in a support bubble. So that was, you know, at least the government understood enough to let single parents be in a support bubble by then. But I then had to start renegotiating everything with clients and being really clear up front, I'm a solo parent. So there may be times when I just cannot find another option. I think the hardest thing I said, I used to love doing facilitation, doing strategy days and that side of things. But to get anywhere beyond an hour's drive from where I am, I would have had to have passed my small child to someone at 6am. And no one loves my child enough to have them <laughs> at 6am. There was no partner. And my parents adore him, but you know they don't get up till nine if they can help it. Six a.m. was just an absolute no go. So I, I think that's really my biggest challenge was that constant juggle. I know many parents will recognise, but just not having anyone to share that with at all, and always having to therefore ask for favours. I do not like asking for help, and I have had to learn to be really good at asking for help because I just don't think you can do solo parenting without it it takes a village and you have to constantly ask your village for help mm. I'll go on to say a bit more about that then who did you ask for help and how did you get your head around asking for help 
Well, I think my best example of that has actually happened in the last few weeks. So I completely ruptured my ACL, which is a ligament in your knee. And for two weeks, I could only hop basically. So looking after Charlie, my son on my own was interesting because I've been going up and down the stairs on my bum. But basically, (laughs) not only did I have to call on my parents for the second week, because they were already committed for the first week to something else. And we moved in with them, basically. That's what it often involves when you're solo parenting is there's just a lot going on. And I need extra help. I just have to move to them. And I had to pull him out of nursery for a week. And then the week he was in nursery, I found friends that were taking their children and going vaguely past my door. And even though their children weren't in the same class as Charlie, I was like, please, can you help me? And they've been amazing. So other people have been taking him to and from nursery. And he's really nervous with other people, actually. But he's been really brave with them. And they were just so happy to do it. And so the way I got over it was I have given them flowers and things. (laughs) Flowers, things for their kids, anything to say, thank you very much indeed. I really appreciate your help. And people do like to help. And I have this strange quirk where when people do things for me, I think sometimes I go a bit above and beyond in thanking them with cards and flowers. And I sometimes think, am I making them feel a bit weird and that they would have to give me these gifts back if I do something for them? Because I wouldn't expect it. And Maybe there's some sort of psycho problem with me about accepting help or not thinking I'm deserving. I don't know, it's weird. Anyway, it's not a podcast about asking for help, although I think that could be really interesting. I want to turn to your work, Carla, because not only did I want to get you on the podcast because of the solo parenting angle, but I also wanted to talk about influence and impact because, of course, you're writing a book about that at the moment, and that's where all of your leadership work is. So you work particularly with female leaders around increasing influence and impact. How did you go about increasing your own influence and impact when you returned to work? One of the places I started was how I was seeing myself. And that's often where I started my work with women as well, is we can get a really vocal inner critic all the time, but particularly when we're in new situations. And so returning to work prompted my inner critic to get vocal, but actually just parenting, like suddenly doing something I didn't know how to do. There was no handbook and I didn't feel like I was a natural at really got imposter feelings going and my inner critic being very vocal. So I used a technique that I and many other coaches teach their clients around personalizing your inner critic so that you can recognize when it comes up and say, thanks for the input, but I've got this. So I found myself doing a lot of that. And then I also decided to take some of my own advice and turn what can be perceived as a weakness into a strength. So I often say this with introverts, for example, actually, your reflective thinking is a superpower, let's not apologize for it. And I think in a way, being a solo parent is a bit of a superpower as well. So I used it as a way to connect authentically with other women, just being a parent, in fact. So suddenly, I was having conversations with women beyond work, in a way where I could then relate to them in a way that I hadn't been able to when I was a single woman of 40 that didn't have children. I just didn't really get what was going on for them. And now I could speak their language and share openly what I was experiencing. And when I started doing that on LinkedIn, anything I wrote about childcare or being really honest about that struggle and juggle got loads and loads of views and loads of comments because people really loved seeing someone being so open about it and so I have it on my email signature you know I work part-time and I'm a solo parent 
And actually, it's turned into a real plus point for me. So I always think look for things that you think are disadvantages. You can turn them around to become advantages, basically. And then the other thing I did was reconnect with my network and just build those relationships and remind myself that there are people out there who do think I'm really good at what I do. Mm, yeah. And I like what you said about LinkedIn and, and sharing things on LinkedIn that we don't often see people share because it's this professional space. But if you see people regularly posting professional stuff, so you feel like you're getting to know them, it's actually really nice to see a bit more of the person, you know, a rounded view of the person. And I can understand why those things were getting lots of views because they're understanding more about you. It's great sharing things like that. Being real, I think being human, I call it being radically honest. I try and be radically honest wherever I can and that it really resonates with people I think authenticity does resonate and that's always what I encourage leaders to do is don't try and be a rubbish version of somebody else lead your way and own that and it will resonate with people when you're being authentic Mm, I completely agree with you so one of the things that coaches often tell me and my team when they're returning to work after maternity leave or any other kind of leave is that they want to go back and have impact. I mean, that is especially true of women going back after maternity leave. It's probably less true of someone who's going back after sick leave who might be making a bit more of a gentle return. In fact, we did an episode of the podcast with Rhea Ingleby from the mindfulness app Headspace. I think it's episode 17 and we talk about making a mindful return and she was coming back from cancer. That's a really nice listen. So I completely understand that desire to have an impact but I'm also mindful that it's a transition and you need to get used to being back at work and that can be really exhausting without this added layer of stress about being sensational and I just wonder what your thoughts are on that. I think there are many ways to have an impact that don't involve doing more or working harder. I think we have a bit of an assumption don't we that to make an impact we need to just do more and do it better But actually, the way I help people to make an impact is to work on how do you feel about yourself? How are you seeing yourself as a leader in particular? Because that's where I tend to focus. And then be really intentional about how others perceive you. So think about how do I want to be described by others? So if you're feeling a little bit anxious about, or maybe I'll be seen as not so professional, well, then decide I want to be seen as professional. And that will act as a filter for how you show up and how you communicate The other thing you can do is to focus on who are the key stakeholders and how can you make sure that you're speaking their language and influencing them effectively. So it's not about you. It's about doing better listening, using the language that they use. And those things can all make huge leaps for you without you working any more hours at all or working harder or having to stress about it. And that's basically the framework for influence and impact is to work on those three areas that many women struggle with and when you start to do that you're seen as more inspiring people are listening to you and you feel good about yourself so you're showing up and being a bit bolder in meetings as well. Mm, I agree and I'm thinking about anyone that's listening to this who is a sort of community insider then on the platform there's a whole section on personal brand on reconnecting with stakeholders when you come back from leave and in fact episode 31 with Abby Westall is about rebuilding relationships when you come back from leave so just a little signpost on that let me tap into your expertise around influence then 
Can you share a story or some advice on that to inspire listeners who are returning to work after a period of leave, be it maternity or sick leave, adoption or shared parental leave? I think my favourite tool for this is building a little bit on what I said, which is your personal leadership brand, which for me is about being intentional about how others see you. So when you go back into the workplace, I encourage you to think about how do I show up as this new version of me? Because often we've evolved as people after a break of any kind. So what's important to me as a person? What are my values? What kind of colleague or leader do I want to be? And then thinking about what do my team and the organization need from me at this point in time as I return? So it might be as you're returning from a break, they're looking for some stability, or it might be they're looking for some recognition of the fact that they've been through this whole experience that you weren't there for and they've moved on and they don't want you to see them as they were six months ago or a year ago or two years ago and think about what your superpowers are so many of us think we don't have superpowers but what are the things that come naturally to you that you're really good at and enjoy doing that perhaps you underestimate because they come so easily to you I have this whole exercise I get people to write that all down on a piece of paper And then basically condense that down into three words or phrases, which is their personal leadership brand, how they want others to see them. And the idea is not that you go around saying, my personal leadership brand is I am inspiring, authentic and, I don't know, a collaborator. Instead, when you set that as your intention, then your subconscious uses it or your unconscious, you would know the difference more than me, Jessica. It uses it as a filter for your communication. So say you decided to think, I want to be seen as strategic because I've come back into a director level position. When in a meeting you're tempted to dive into a bit of detail that personally interests you, you might then think, "Ah, hang on, what's the strategic thing to do? Let's look at this from a big picture perspective. You might start using language that is more strategic in tone. So it's a really simple tool, but you can use it for this. You can use it for an interview. You can use it just generally in your career. If you're going for the next level and you want to be seen as credible at that next level, well, how do you want others to describe you? when you're not in the room. That's my definition of your personal leadership brand. I love that. We do something very similar in coaching. It's that we have five words rather than three. And you are spot on when you think about people downplaying things because they come naturally to them. So I think sometimes it is about combing through 360 degree feedback. Are there any themes that come up as areas where people think, you know, you're really strong on that? Sometimes it's about asking people and saying, you know, I'm just coming back from leave and I'm just trying to reconnect with who I was can we spend some time together and you can just remind me some of the things that I was working on and what it was you valued about my approach the way I showed up the way I participated in that project in those client relationships and you'll find that people will say things to you that you didn't realize were as important as they are and because they do come naturally so you don't think they're anything special but they are Absolutely. Gay Hendricks calls it your zone of genius. And I think it's so powerful to identify it and spend more of your time in your zone of genius. Oh, who was the author and what's the person's book? Gay Hendricks. The book is called The Big Leap. And he shares this concept of zone of genius within that book. It's a really interesting self-help book as it is. I studied with him in America for a couple of weeks about 10 years ago. Oh, I'll put that in the show notes. So a question then that I ask all my guests on these comeback episodes, what was your wobbliest or lowest moment when you returned to work after Charlie? I was 
facilitating an away day for the leadership team at an organisation which was full of some very, very intelligent people. It's an international development organisation, all extremely well qualified. They'd worked in governments all over the world. And my brain has always been my superpower. I can think really quickly. And whilst my vocabulary isn't awesome, I've always preferred to simplify concepts. I have always had a very quick thinking mind. And this was the first thing I had facilitated after having a child. And I was at the front of the room grasping for words and having to go for a simpler word because I couldn't find the word that my brain was looking for. And I couldn't tell you if it was some version of baby brain. I can tell you my vocabulary has never recovered. So I don't know if that's parenting or solo parenting and running your own business. I have so much going on because you've got the life admin all on your own as well and the pressure of making all the money and et cetera, et cetera. There's no space in my brain, I think, for anything it considers to be irrelevant. And it's decided lots of really interesting vocabulary is irrelevant. It may also have been at the time, so I'm probably one of the few people that had a small child and was on HRT as well because I had early menopause. And we were still getting the dosage right on the HRT. So it could have been brain fog. But it was so hard because I had always relied on my brain and it just wasn't doing as much as it used to. And actually, at that point, I realized that my brain wasn't my only strength. Actually, things like radical honesty and holding a safe space and the energy I bring to things was just as valuable. And I have reworked my business, despite the fact I've never had a moment like that again, I've reworked my business so it's not just all about the logical side and the strength of my brain. It's about how I make people feel and the energy I bring. And actually, that's radically transformed my business, luckily. Oh, I have days like that with words that if I've had a poor night's sleep, I've always been a really good sleeper, but we've had some problems with our dog recently. And if I'm up in the night with Rocky, I know the next day it is harder to, so I would count today as having this conversation, I feel a bit slower, Carla, than usual because I've had that interference in the night. And I'm always curious about the extent to which the way people show up as new parents at work is affected by the sleep, not just the added stresses that you've got on you, the added cognitive load, but the sleep element, because I think it's so difficult to function when you're low on sleep. And it makes me more chatty and verbose like I'm being now rather than being succinct, because you almost think, I haven't explained myself very well, so I'll keep going. So I'm just going to shut up now. And I want to know about the peak moment then when you came back to work. What was something that you remember that was really good? I crazily decided to launch an online side to my business when I had a three-month-old baby. The first thing I launched went really well. We had 31 people sign up to my first online course. And it was so great to be able to impact that many people at the same time, having done a lot of one-to-one work ahead of them but to be honest for me I found any return to work was a high in itself because I find work easy I find parenting really hard I find it really challenging I have definite imposter feelings about whether I'm a good enough mum and so for me it was like oh good I get to do something I know I'm good at for once I've got this under control I do not have parenting or my child under control I've got this under control more or less I love your honesty I found myself recently We had a real upset at the beginning of the year with my son's education and I found myself being drawn more to my desk 
because what was going on was taking me away from it. So I had things to deal with. But also being at my desk, doing those things that I feel really competent at, it just made me feel really good. So I totally know where you're coming from there. All right. Well, final thing that I wanted to ask you about, because I know you've got to go and start packing boxes for your big move, which is very exciting. What about three kind of summarising thoughts or top tips around this influence and impact? Or maybe you want to pick up on the solo parenting side. I think as any parent, whether a solo parent, a single parent or doing it with a partner and you're returning to work, I think the things I've learned are firstly, be kind to yourself because your head is full of so much stuff. And as you mentioned, the sleep is an issue and sleep deprived brains are not at their best. I think particularly as a solo parent, you have got more going on in your head potentially because you're just trying to juggle everything single-handedly. There's no delegating until they're old enough to help with the dusting and stuff, which I've got him doing now. So be kind (laughs) to yourself because your head is very full. I had a few people say to me, you're a superwoman doing all of this. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not very good at this, this and this. And now I have moments where I'm like, you know what? I am a freaking superwoman and I'm going to own that because what I'm doing is not easy. So if you're a solo parent and you're holding down a job and you're doing well at your job, you are a superwoman because what you are doing is not easy. And just giving yourself that recognition is so important. And then I think the final piece is get more comfortable asking for help. Even if at this time in your life, you're not able to reciprocate that help in the same way as you might have done previously, or you'll be able to do when your children are older, perhaps, but ask for help when you need it rather than struggling and drowning, basically. So on that note, I'm imagining then, Carla, that you are not doing all of the packing yourself. You have drafted in help, haven't you? I have packers. I have paid packers to do that packing for me, and we are staying at my parents' tomorrow night. So yes, And I have my sister helping at the other end. So yes, I have definitely got help, especially because I'm hopping around on one leg at the moment. (laughs) Oh, well, listen, best wishes for knee recovery and the move. And when is your book out? The book's out in September. It's called Closing the Influence Gap. And it's a practical guide for women leaders who want to be heard. And if anyone wants a little something to keep them going until then, if you're a leader, then I have a workbook called Three Ways to Increase Your Leadership Impact this week. And you can find that at carlamillatraining.com forward slash maximize, spelt the English way with an S, not a Z. And you might as well throw in any social media handles as well. Instagram, I'm at this is Carla Miller, I believe. But in LinkedIn is my happy place. I am on LinkedIn at least twice a day. So do come and follow me there, connect with me there and say hello. Oh, Carla, thank you so much for being here. I'm really pleased that you made time for me ahead of making your big move. It's been brilliant to tap into your insights. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, I hope you enjoyed that. And next time someone labels you as superwoman or superman, that you own it. Carla talked about considering how you want to be perceived as the gateway to having more influence and impact. When you reflect on this, you can be much more intentional about how you behave across different work relationships and settings. If you're not yet receiving our fortnightly care mails, then go and subscribe today over at comebackcommunity.co.uk and you'll get access to our free career fuel guide to increasing your professional impact. The five words exercise I mentioned to Carla is in this guide. If you have access to the Comeback Community employee experience through your employer, definitely go and check out the article on personal brand in the back at work section. And if you don't have access, then definitely send your HR team a link to comebackcommunity.co.uk. 
On the homepage, you'll find a couple of short films at the top about why we've developed it and exactly what the Comeback Community Employee Experience is. You can also email me anytime, jc at talentkeepers.co.uk, and we can send you the wording to make a pitch to your HR or people team for better support for colleagues preparing for and returning from any type of extended leave. And if you're on Instagram, do come and say hello. I'm at comebackcomuk. Always happy to answer any questions you have about returning to work and onward career progression. Until next time, stay bright.